This message is a presentation of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. For more information about the ministry of Vortex Church, please visit us online at vortexchurch.com. So, so when Jesus gets involved with our story, everything changes. Life's a lot like a story. And last week I gave you uh, three things that were just thoughts of how life and story interact. And one of those was that one of the common things between life and story is life and stories both have a, a, a beginning, a middle, and an end. As a matter of fact, if you study the, the arc of story, you'll find that a good life looks a lot like a good story. And, and there, there are components of, of that, that that we talked about last week. And each week, as we go through the series, I'm going to bring, bring those back and kind of apply them to the week that we're in. Last week, we looked at how when God gets involved in our families, He changes everything. And, and specifically, look at Luke 15, the story of the prodigal son, and how when the son embraced the story that the father was telling about him, he, he came home to a, a family that had been shattered and broken, but by God's grace, God put it back together. Um, today we're going to kind of shift gears. And I'd like to begin by looking at a, a passage, a, a really short verse that many of you are familiar with out of 1 Corinthians 13. Let's just go there. This is probably read at all of our weddings. And it says this, these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. 1 Corinthians 13 is great chapter of the Apostle Paul writing about how if we, if we do anything for the Lord but we don't love, then, then it's all pointless. And at the end of this great piece of writing, he says this, these three remain. These three remain. Faith, hope, I want to take a moment and show you how those three interact with the arc of a story that God wants to tell through our lives. It's really how God tells stories through our lives. The, the first thing is, what, what does the beginning look like? The beginning of every story begins with faith. It begins with faith. And faith is really the invitation to step into God's story. It's when God speaks to us and says, I want to do this through your life. And we look at God and go, okay, I believe you can. The middle of the story is, I think, the most difficult, and that's hope. Because, see, in every story, there is inevitably going to be conflict. And when God speaks to us and invites us into his story, God doesn't invite us into something that exists right now. He invites us into something that he's writing. And if you know anything about story, the situation and circumstances are very different at the end of the story than they are at the beginning, right? And so God invites us into a story through faith, but we have to sustain that journey through hope. Hope is the capacity to look at God and say, even though this doesn't look at all like what you said it was going to, I believe through faith that you're going to continue to take And at the end of the story, what does it look like? 
looks like love. Love is the satisfaction of knowing that God who has promised us has sustained us and delivered us. As a matter of fact, we see multiple times throughout the Bible that the result of our interactions with God should always increase our love. As, as a matter of fact, even one, one point directly Jesus says in regards to a, a woman who had a, a very sinful life that whoever there is given little, there will be little love, but whoever there has been forgiven much, there will be great love. There is always this connection between what God has done in our life, what he has accomplished, and the level to which we can experience his love. Faith, hope, and love. How God writes stories. But you see, every time God writes a story, every time he writes a story, there's always tension when he speaks. There's always tension there. And we would like to think of the voice of God and God speaking to us as being comforting. And there are times definitely that God's voice is comforting. When we're grieving, when we're hurting, God definitely is that. But when God invites us into his story, it always creates tension. I'd like to give you two examples. I, I don't think spiritually I've ever been more excited than when God birthed the vision for Vortex in my heart. Ever. I mean, it was, it was exhilarating. And it happened over a period of, of several weeks where uh, first the, the, the concept was born and then God began to speak to me more and more and more about it. And it was, I mean, it was absolutely exciting. Every moment, I mean, there were moments where I would get what, what normally would take me like hours and hours and hours of study and, and thinking and it would just all kind of like appear in my brain in like minutes. It, it, it was exciting. But that vision invited me into a journey that absolutely destroyed the life that I had at that moment. See, to follow God, I had to quit my job. We had to move. We had to literally financially risk everything. and it was uncomfortable. There's always tension when God speaks. I, I really think that you all can identify with this in, in, many, in many ways, but let me share one way. I, I don't think I've ever been more excited just, just as, as a human being, just naturally, than when we found out that we were pregnant with my daughter. Having spent, you know, four years praying and asking God for, for a child and then finding out that morning I, I mean absolutely exhilarating you, you've and many of you have been there you, you that moment when you, you you are wanting a child and you find out that you're pregnant and and God has has provided that miracle and then there's the tension of the pregnancy which if you've ever been pregnant is not easy all right it's uncomfortable your body does things and wife does things that she doesn't normally do. And, huh. and for, for nine months, it's not easy. And then you give birth. And there's love. 
you never knew. Faith, hope, and love look a lot like the story that God writes through our lives. And I, I see this in two moments in Scripture that I just want to point out very quickly for you. One, one comes at the beginning of the Gospel of Luke. At the beginning of the Gospel of Luke, we find a, a record of, of Zechariah and Elizabeth. Zechariah was a, a priest, and he was married to Elizabeth. They, they were uh, maybe somewhat like, like our family, maybe, maybe like you. They had wanted a child and prayed for a child and longed for a child. And they, as, as they grew older, the, the hope for that child had dimmed a little bit. And every year, you know, the, the priests would go into the, the Holy of Holies and Zechariah ended up drawing the, the privilege to be that person. And he, he goes in and as he is performing the duties of the priest and inside, an angel appears to him and tells him, you and your wife are going to have a baby. Watch how he reacts to this. Watch how God is inviting him into a story. Watch how he reacts in the beginning of verse 18. Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man, and my wife is well along in years. Not real nice to say about your wife. Um, the angel said to him, I'm Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now, you will be silent and not able to speak until the day happens, because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their point. See, even though it was absolutely absurd, you're going to have a baby. It was an invitation from God into a brand new story. And Zechariah responded to that not through faith. Actually, he responded through disbelief. What? We're going to have a baby? No. Dude, have you seen my wife? That's what he said. That's what, that's what he said. To an angel. To an angel. Have you seen, have you seen my wife? And so God said, no, you get to shut up for the next nine months. You get to be still and know that he's God. But you see, that tension isn't that new, actually. As a matter of fact, the Bible itself opens up with a similar story. Beginning in Genesis, after we go through all of the creation accounts and the flood, we meet a man named Abraham, who also was old, whose wife also was old. And they had not been able to have children. And there comes this moment in Genesis 15. So God took Abraham outside and said, look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. And then he said to him, so shall your offspring. Abraham believed the Lord 
discredited Chinese righteousness. You see, in the absolute absurdity of a 75-year-old man who had not been able to have a child with his wife, Abraham heard the word that came from God and by faith he believed it and he stepped into a story that God invited him into. You know what's unique about that? Is that most of us expect that when God gives us the invitation that he's going to immediately follow it up. Like God wouldn't invite me to do this if he wasn't just ready to do it, right? You know that it was 25 years until Abraham held his 25 years of the tension of hearing God say that something was going to change that had always been that way and most likely they had come to just accept it to be that way. 25 years of hoping and expecting and longing until the story was complete. See, many of us have been invited into a story with Jesus. We've taken that step to get out of our comfort zones and to step into the story that He could be writing through us. But you see, there's a tension when God speaks because God always speaks about something that's not yet happened. See, when God began to speak to me about our church and it was so exciting, the next two years were really scary. And there had to be a lot of hope in me that what God said He was going to do, He would indeed do. I love this out of Hebrews where the Bible says this, and by faith, even Sarah, whose past childbearing was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful who had made the promise. And so from this one man, and he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand and the seashore. I love what that chapter opens with. This is earlier in my notes, set, so if you put that up. Hebrews 11.1 1 says this about faith and hope. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. See, faith is the invitation into the journey. Faith is the invitation to allow God to become your plot twist. Faith is the invitation to let Him take over the authorship of your life. But hope is what sustains that journey. So, I think there are a few things that we can look at today when it comes to 
embracing that tension. That's between where God speaks and where he delivers. And the first thing that I would tell you today is that if Jesus is the way, none of us have arrived. If Jesus is indeed the way, none of us have arrived. In John 14, 6, and this is absolutely central to us as a church, in John 14, 6, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I am the way. If Jesus is the way, the object of life is Jesus. And if you're not Jesus, you're not there yet. <clears throat> All right? I don't care how good you are. I don't care how how f- much you, you have knowledge you have acquired. I, any of that. If Jesus is the way, you haven't arrived. You, you see, here's, here's something that I think is very devastating to the way that we have most of us have set up our, our Christian journey is faith should constantly be inviting you to new stories. It should constantly be inviting you to new stories. I mean, since when did, did the gospel become pray a prayer start doing a daily devotional and, and give regularly at church. I, I mean, really. Is it, faith should always be inviting you into new stories. It should always be rewriting your life. And if your relationship with Jesus isn't constantly generating something inside of you that makes you look at your life and go, I need this to be rewritten. Missed it. Because if Jesus is the object, none of us have arrived. So maybe today might be a time for some of us to start looking at God and saying, It's time to start writing your story. It's, it's time. The second thing that I would tell you is that abandoning hope is thoroughly destructive. Abandoning hope is thoroughly destructive. And some of you have absolutely no clue that you've even done this. You, and you, you don't realize the repercussions that come in your life. Let's look at Proverbs. Proverbs 13, 12 says this. Hope deferred makes the heart sick but a longing fulfilled is the tree of life now think about that with me in the context of story and most of the time we think about it that verse in the context of stuff like I'm hoping to get a new car if I get it life's just going to look a whole lot better I give up that I'm just going to drive the same and I've been driving. That's not at all what this verse is talking about. This, 
verses talking about the tension between the time God speaks and the time he actually does what he's spoken to you about. You see, when we let go of hope, it makes our hearts sick. And some of us are suffering from heart disease because we've let go of hope that God is actually going to do what we know he said he was going to do. This happens really commonly in relationships where as a wife who loves Jesus, you know, your, your husband has... has a great godly character but maybe perhaps he gets a little upset too upset from time to time and you know you know that God has spoken to you you know that you see in him character that's not there yet and year after year as you deal with the blow-ups and the anger, after a while you just go, it's not going to happen. I let go. And what happens? Your heart gets sick because you let go of it in the middle of the storm. I think this happens in our finances where God has told us to be generous and to give. That's not because God wants something from you. It's because God really wants something for you. But you know what happens to many of us as we actually start doing what we're supposed to do and we encounter that first little trial and test. And right in the middle of it, we go, this is not working. This is not, this give 10% and you'll take care of everything else. No give up hope. And for some of you, this has happened with the church itself. Where you got involved, maybe for the first time ever, loving Jesus, wanting to see God move in a city that you loved, maybe in your family, begin to give serve, all for a vision that God gave you that church could be. And churches filled with sinful people, just like you, you got hurt. So what'd you do? You said the church can never be what it's supposed to be. The church can't be it can't be life-giving. It can't be a place where I feel loved. It can't be a spiritual family. It can't be. You gave up hope. And what happened? Your heart begins. See, the third thing that's down there is really, really important when it comes to living and the tension between faith and love is that we always need to put our faith and hope in Jesus. You see, I'm going to tell you something that's really important. Wherever you put your faith 
that's what's writing your story. Wherever you put your faith, that's what's writing your story. If you put your faith in your bank account, your bank account will write your story. You'll be generous when the numbers are high, but you'll be stingy when the numbers are low. If you put your faith in a relationship, you will define yourself by what that person says about you. When they're complimentary, you'll feel good about yourself. But when there's tension, you'll feel bad. Your self-image will take a hit. But if you put your faith and hope in Jesus, you let Him Today we're going to share a story with you that comes from a couple in our church. I'm excited to be able to share this with you. Would you watch this? I've uh, been in church my whole life. was raised in church by my mom. Mom always got up on Sunday mornings, took us to church regardless. Uh, granddad, uh, was a, a man of faith in the church, so I've been in church all my life and, and accepted Christ at an early age. Um, progressed through the church, and a lot of times, as young men will do, um, I became independent and thought that, you know, I'm okay, I don't have to go to church every week, and luckily I found Jan, and uh, Jan had a wonderful dad. He always said, uh, he told Jan one time, he said, if you're going to date that old boy, it looks like he would come up here and go to church with you, so, and so I did, and started going to Jan's church and we've pretty much been in church all of our lives and, and tried to follow Christ all of our lives. Faith in Jesus was very important growing up. We traveled a lot but ever, even when we traveled we always found a church on Saturday night that we would get up and attend on Sunday morning no matter what state we were in. As we continue to grow in Christ in the church I had the opportunity in the Methodist church to be an associate pastor and uh, had a very good friend that was a big influence on my life. I served under him as an associate. Uh, did that for seven years and uh, I found a lot of great joy in that too. Uh, but at, at times it, it could get heavy because I worked a full-time job and was the pastor as well, associate pastor, and also the uh, church was uh, requiring me to go back to divinity school. And so to try to do all three of those at one time was kind of hard to juggle. There was a point in time when I rededicated my life to Christ and served God faithfully and, and, was, and was on fire and had a lot of joy in my life of following Christ. And it seemed like as time went on, the, uh, the job and the, the burden of trying to be so good and trying to follow all the rules uh, started weighing me down. And I found out that I was trying to follow, I think, maybe religion more so than, than following Christ. And that began to maybe burned me out uh, because it, it became more of a job than an enjoyment in a relationship. Well, I guess I found out that uh, you get so much responsibility it becomes more like a job and it was not a joy. And it, well, it was just basically it was a job. It was hard to say no a lot of times. It was. Maybe you, we should. We didn't say no and you just find yourself bombarded. It's not serving anyone. 
boy, in the last two years, God's become just very personal to me. I see the love on everybody, and, and it's no longer, God's no longer somebody I just study or read about. I see Him. I feel Him in our church and small groups. In the past two years, I have found liberty. The Bible says, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty, there's freedom. I have found the liberty. I found the liberty at uh, Vortex that I've yearned for most of my life. Jen can uh, vouch. I've always, I'm one that gets excited. Uh, I don't apologize. Uh, I, I hope I don't offend anybody, but sometimes I get excited and I love to praise God. I love the worship that we have. I love the contemporary music that we have. I've always been one that's been a fan of that and I've never seemed to have that. And I was fortunate enough to God to lead us to a vortex to be able to do that and enjoy that, that praise and that worship. So I'm really happy at that. So I found freedom in that. And as Pastor Kevin preached just uh, this past week, something that really hit home with me. I'm able at Vortex to go all in, to throw it all in, to be there, to trust in Jesus. For the last two years, is really been life-changing us in our relationship with Christ. He's been one that has become active and real in person. I could uh, finish this out, but I, I think it would be a lot better coming from Jimmy. So I'm going to invite uh, my associate pastor, Jimmy Udy. Come on up and close it down. Thank you, brother. I'm not a little bit <clears throat> snotty or teary-eyed because of uh, what I said. It's because how old I look in video. <laughs> no, I'm joking. Uh, got to say something to kind of get started. But, you know, you guys see me up here uh, most every week, welcoming you in or maybe out in the halls uh, shaking hands or Maybe you noticed I do praise God and raise my hand. So maybe you've noticed me, but you've probably never experienced or known that, that side of me. Uh, sometimes we have to be personal. We have to go all in. We have to share our story with uh, Jesus, with each other. And as we do that, and I think about it, I look around in the room this morning, and I can imagine there's a lot of stories in here, a lot of stories. For some of us, we're people that have just started in that story. Maybe you've just, <clears throat> excuse me, recently put your faith in Christ and you've started on this new journey and uh, it's an exciting journey. And I want to encourage you, as you put your faith in Christ, also put your hope in Him. Uh, along your way, in your journey, you're going to face some uh, ups and downs, some disappointments, but if you'll keep your hope in Jesus, you'll discover that you'll find the love that you never had dreamed. <clears throat> Excuse me, guys. And then there's some of us uh, in the room this morning that are like me, that we've been Christians most of our life, uh, for five years, 10 years, 15, 20 years. Many, many years ago, you made that commitment to follow Christ. And you put your faith in Christ and your trust in Him. And you've been invited into this wonderful journey. I want to challenge two groups this morning. 
First of all, I want to encourage those of you that have given up hope. Someone has let you down. Someone you love very deeply, or maybe some church, some organization. And you've come to the conclusion, you say, I'm just never going to get there. It's not worth it for me. I can't do it. I just simply, I just can't. Let me ask you something first. Before you get to that point, think about this. Have you ever let someone down? Maybe you're thinking right now, wow, you know what? I have, I have. Or maybe you're thinking, you know, I can't ever remember when I've ever let anyone down. I've always tried to never let anyone down. You have failed Jesus. I have failed Jesus. We have all failed Jesus. So think about how Jesus responded to our failure. Jesus gave his life in hope that you and I would be restored to God. Guys, don't give up on God because people or organizations have let you down and discouraged you, but be like Abraham. Keep that hope. Hold on to that hope no matter what obstacles you face. Now to the other group, uh, maybe you're like me and you've been living a story for most of your life, but you need a new story. You need that new story. You see, as I shared with you, sometimes in our life, and I do, by the way, I promise you, I do let Jan speak. I know in the video it seemed like that, no, I'm taking over. She can't talk today. I apologize, honey. I should have let you talk more. I think Seth did that when he edited it. But things can become normal and routine and mundane for us as, as maybe they had for me. And maybe that's where you're at this morning. As Pastor Kevin said a moment ago, Faith should constantly be inviting us into new adventures. Maybe you need to ask Jesus for that new adventure. And I have a suspicion that a lot of you already know what God wants you to do next. But you've been like me too. You're putting it off. Keep putting it off. Put your faith in Jesus and let him become that plot twist for you. This morning... As we uh, finish up this message with prayer, I want you to do something. I want you to pray with me this morning, and I want you to ask Jesus this very, very important question. Jesus, what does this message mean for me today? What does this message mean for me today? Maybe you're like Jimmy, and you need Jesus to be that plot twist in your faith. Let us pray. Lord, as we come to you this morning, we thank you for inviting us into this great adventure, this journey. Thank you for being our friend. Thank you for always being close to us. Today, there is a lot of us in this room that have given up hope. There's a lot of us that need for you to rewrite our stories. We need for you to restore our hope and our faith in you. So today, God, may we let go of the past, all of it. Whether the past is good, whether it's bad, just let it go. And today, let us embrace, embrace you, and embrace this story that you want to write personally with us. Everybody keep your head bowed and keep your eyes shut, and I'm going to invite Pastor Kevin to come back up. So today, let me...
Let me ask the question that needs to be asked. Have you given up hope? Have you given up hope? Have you walked away from a journey that you know God has called you into, from a story that He wants to write through you? Have you given up hope today? Because maybe today, maybe in this moment right now, would be the moment that God would want you to look at Him and say, God, I put my hope in You. If that's you right now and you're here and you say, I've given up hope, but I want to put it back in Jesus, would you raise your hand right now? I've lost hope, but I want my hope to resound in God. If that's you, put your hands up right now. So God, today we just look at you. And in places where we've lost hope, we put our hope in you again. And we ask you to come and be the fulfillment of that hope. It's in the name of Jesus Christ we pray.